0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. And today, we are talking the defensive side of the football and prospects that will attend the 2024 Senior Bowl and compete in the next few days. Practices kick off 9.30 in the morning, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, the same schedule for the national and American teams. Off day on Friday, the game is on Saturday for those that stick around and compete in that ballgame because some guys will leave throughout the week. So we're going to get into the DBs, right? Corners, safeties, we're going to talk about the big boys up front and of course at edge rusher and then we will talk about those second level defenders at linebacker. So let's get rolling into today's podcast. If you missed last episode, we previewed the offense, you can just tune back. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your podcast and listen to Commanding the Huddle, you can find us at and just peek back and listen to my preview of the quarterbacks and all the skill players and of course the centers, guards, and tackles, the loaded group of offensive line that are be that are will compete, excuse me, in the next few days down in Mobile. So let's talk defensive side of the football, and we're going to kick it off with the DBs. And first things first, this is not the corner class that we saw from 2023, right? We saw Devin Weatherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Emmanuel Forbes, Deontay Banks, all those guys go in day one, right? The Joey Porters of the world. Loaded class last year of corners. This year, it's not a loaded high-tier elite group, But there are guys that can absolutely play. And I think as you move into day two, early portions of day three, teams that value certain scheme fits, athletic profiles, certain body types, all 32 teams can be able to find their guy, to come in right away, not pigeonhole a guy, and allow him to thrive in their scheme as a rookie next fall. So we're going to kick it off. First name on my list is Johnny Dixon, corner from Penn State. I really like Johnny Dixon's game. I think he's someone that is underappreciated in this class. I love him as a technical corner on the perimeter, man zone versatile. His tape against uh, West Virginia or Michigan or Ohio State against Marvin Harrison or Mecca Buka this year, just the fundamental principles in which he checks off as a cover corner are sensational. Now, for me, I want to see a little bit more strength. He doesn't have a lot of sand in his pants at 185, 190 pounds. But he can run with anybody. He's got a quick, quick throttle. If someone tries to press him vertically, sticks that foot in the ground, he works up to fifth gear within five yards. He's a willing tackler. I just think there's some small improvements that I want to see in Johnny Dixon's game away from coverage, right? One-on-one tackling in space and just playing a little more play strength and getting in the weight room and continuing to build that muscle mass to eventually really set the edge, if you can, at the next level against more experienced blockers on the perimeter. So, Johnny Dixon is a name I'm absolutely having bolded this week. I think he's a fantastic football player. Again, I think he's one of the more underrated corners in this class and for me, he's a late second round guy on my board. Evan Williams and Kyrie Jackson both are from Oregon. Evan Williams, his brother Bennett came out in last year's class. Evan's going was a late addition to the senior bowl this week. He's more of that hybrid defender. I think he's going to be more of a special teams core contributor early in his career. Kyrie Jackson looks the part, really, of a top 60-70 corner in this class. There's just some technical refinement that he needs as well. Love to see more fluidity in his hips. But the Alabama transfer, again, Kyrie Jackson is someone that can flat-out play. He was a headliner in that Oregon secondary this year. So really excited to see him work in these one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens, specifically against a lot of the talented receivers we're going to see as well in Mobile. Next is Kyrie. Staying in the now defunct Pac-12 is Catan Oladapo from Oregon State. He's that hybrid defender for me to where he can play in the box. He can play high. Now, I'm not going to ask Catan to play single high. That's a very rare skill set that a lot of people want safety to do. Everybody wants that Kyle Williams, Derwin James type of range. But it's, it's very hard to execute at the game's highest level, trying to roam number to number. But Catan has that hybrid ability to, again come downhill, make plays in the run game, and as well flip his hips, cover receiver, cover tight end, and mix it up with guys near the line of scrimmage as well. Quinion Mitchell is from Toledo Corner. I'm interested to see, look, Jim Nagy and his staff did an excellent job of getting the premier, two best group of five conference players down in Mobile. We're going to see Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky Receiver, and then we're going to see Quinone from Toledo on the other side of the ball. And both of those guys are going to be the headliners for the group of five talents. I'm not sure who's going to be first off the board. I'm going to say right now that it's going to be Quinone. High, at high, high, high tier athlete. The profile's off the charts. I think we go to the combine or pro days and he, and he jumps in the vert. I think he's probably going to test near the 95th, 96th percentile in vert. So he's explosive. Uh, Off the ground and and batting passes away, getting his hands through the receiver, making plays on the football, which ultimately instincts are valued highly in the NFL, as we saw last year with how high Washington took Emmanuel Forbes in the top 20 picks. Now, it wasn't a great year for Emmanuel Forbes, but along those instincts, right, those players that have the ball skills and those types of ability to take the ball away, Quinyon Mitchell is that type of player, and he's thick, he's muscled up, he's rocked up, he can play downhill on the run. Again, another man zone versatile. He's got really quick feet. I think there's some technical small things I want him to improve upon on the outside with really when he elongates that stride. It doesn't elongate to try to pick up speed. It's very short, choppy steps that simply don't cover ground. And I think against more nuanced runners that really have that track background to where you're elongating that stride and picking up speed and covering ground where Quinion has to consistently, that turnover, he's got quick turnover in his feet to cover ground, not saying he can't, but for more nuanced route runners in Mobile that really want to stretch him to where he can flip and gear up quickly and cover that ground, I want to see that this week in Mobile. And there may not be a person, an athlete, a prospect on the defensive side of the ball that has more to gain than Quinion down there in Mobile, specifically because he's getting... Some round one buzz right now, and within league circles, I think he's a bona fide top 50 pick in this class. Round one buzz, we'll see. But if he comes down to Mobile and dominates, he's absolutely most likely going to hear his name post 22, 23, and beyond. Once we get to April and to Detroit's draft, so Quinion Mitchell, if you guys are able to get down to Mobile, you're following it every single day. Is a is a name to absolutely highlight next week. Josh Proctor from Ohio State, extremely experienced, six years in college. So coming in as, look, that roof defender, that ceiling defender for the Ohio State Buckeyes, extremely physical. I think he's someone as well that has multi-phase uh, potential to contribute as on defense, rotationally as well as on special teams. Max Milton from Rutgers, his brother Bo Milton uh, was with the Seattle Seahawks. Now he's with the Green Bay Packers. Bo was a receiver. Max is a corner, really athletic kid. Not the biggest guy in the world, but the twitch is really fantastic inside that contact window. And look, I like the ability of Max to play in that side saddle technique to where he's got his butt to the sideline, forcing everything inside. Or he can play neutral to where both of his shoulders are square to the receiver at the line of scrimmage. Whether he's playing press bail, whether he's trying to jolt a guy and stay with him right at the line of scrimmage. Or he's playing five to seven yards off and he wants to be that cover three corner working downhill as well. So Max Melton, a player, I think has some inside-out versatility as well as some special teams pop. Which, guys, it goes overlooked and nobody wants to hear about, oh, he's just going to be a special teams core contributor. It absolutely matters. You can win or lose ball games when it comes to special teams. Not just the kicker and punter, but long snapper and the holding process and that transition and your gunners on the outside. Understanding how to down the ball inside the five. All that stuff matters. And as good as guys are defensively, especially going to be down there in Mobile, and we're seeing that every year, contributions on special teams, you're going to see it early in drills. They matter. And scouts, league evaluators, pay a ton of attention to that stuff. But it consistently goes overlooked from the media side of things. Just because it's not the sexy thing to do as far as being a special teams core contributor. But it absolutely matters at the end of the day. Malik Mustafa from Wake Forest and Kalen Carson are both former Demon Deacons. Both those guys, Kalen will live on the outside at corner. Malik is someone I think has that hybrid ability as well. Play second level, play some third level. I like his game a bunch. I think he's a high-level athlete. And then I think Kalen, he is... A fun player, I think, is the best way to describe Caitlin Carson because he looks the part, and you watch him in the ACC to where he's got that inside-out versatility, he's got fluid hips, physical, and he's an alpha to where he takes every rep personally. And I, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm a GM and I look at corners, I want that type of nastiness on the outside. I want that confidence, that athletic confidence. You can call it arrogance if you want. That's fine. But I want guys to take it personal every single rep to where I don't want to be losing 8 out of my 10 reps at the Senior Bowl each practice. I don't want that to happen. Maybe one or two reps I lose, but maybe I'm in the hip pocket and the quarterback makes a nice throw or the receiver makes a nice play and you tip your cap and you move forward. But when you have alphas on the outside, a guy like Kalen, I just appreciate those types of guys too. I just want them in my defensive backs room because I know they're going to compete on every single snap. Ennis Rakestraw, we'll get to him later. Chris abrams dream from Missouri had a lot of production from Missouri. There's going to be a lot of of Missouri Tiger helmets running around at the Senior Bowl. I talked about Javon Foster at Offensive Tackle. He'll be there. Chris abrams dream. I'm going to get into Tyron Hopper later. I'm going to get into Darius Robinson later. There's a lot of names for the Missouri Tigers that are going to be here. But Chris, for me, he lived on the outside for the Tigers. But I think he's going to be nickel only. For me at the NFL level. It's not just because he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he also doesn't have that length that I would like in a whether primary cover 3 corner or someone I want to line in man 60% of the time on the outside because there's not a single defense in football that runs just man or just zone. So Chris right now for me is a nickel only corner, which I think is going to bump down his stock a little bit. But I like him there a lot. The foot quickness, the ability to reroute guys inside and out, the ability to use his frame and force guys to separate. And he's got good instincts as well over the middle of the field. So no issues with Chris being a nickel-only guy. If you want to play him on the outside as a potential rotational corner, I think that's fine. But if a team drafts him to be that CB1 or CB2 as a perimeter corner, I think that's a little bit rich in his evaluation right now. Mike Sanris still. From the college football national champion Michigan Wolverines. Man, I love me some Mike Sandra still, guys. Um, the guy's nickname is, is Frozone. If you guys are Incredibles fans or seen that movie, Frozone is, is cold as ice. He's just cold, man. And Mike Sandra still, that's Mike. Um, I think he's the premier, p- premier, excuse me, nickel corner in this class. Competes his tail off. Super, super instinctive. Not afraid to stick his face in the run game. I posted a clip on my Twitter about a week and a half ago of Mike. I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler on Twitter, if you don't follow me there already, to where it was against Ohio State, and he sniffed out a little swing pass to the running back, and he just blew it up. And he's not 6'1", 6'2", 215, 20 pounds. He doesn't have that big type of frame. But he can lay the boom a little bit, and he's got some pop in his pads, and I just appreciate the type of game that Mike has to where... Teams want to move their wide receiver ones into the slot and get some free releases. It's not going to happen against Mike Sanders still. So my premier nickel in the class is Mike from Michigan, and I cannot wait to see him down there and get to know him in Mobile uh, as well. Bo Braid from Maryland. It seems like every year we got big-time athletes coming out of Maryland. Last year, of course, was both Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett. Bennett went to the Raiders. Deontay went, of course, on day one to the New York Giants bo has got some versatility on the outside as well. Um, looks the part above six foot, above 200 pounds, and he can flat out play ball. And this is a safety class that's really interesting. I think there's some headlining athletes at the top. We'll talk about Cam Kinchins from Miami that'll be there in just a little bit. And Tyler Newbin will not be in Mobile from Minnesota and, and Cole Bishop we'll talk to and we'll talk about it in a second. But, Bo Bray can play and every year look Maryland is not a headlining program they've had some success under Mike Logsley and especially in recruiting but every year they produce NFL talent I talked about it last Friday as far as on the offensive side of the ball in Delmar Glaze offensive tackle that I really like in this class especially moving into the latter portions of the second round and the meat of the third round but if a team needs that potential starter at safety and you're moving into later portions of round two as well Bo braid from maryland again looks apart at 6'1 200 pounds can run with anybody can play different levels excellent ability to rise up over receivers deep that upper third that roof right that th- 20 to 30 40 yard range to drop his hips and make a play on the fringe areas of his coverage he can do that for a team So you just understand the type of athlete that you're getting with guys uh, that come out of the University of Maryland. Sion Vaki from Utah is an extremely, extremely interesting player. If you guys aren't familiar, he also played played running back for the Utah Utes in Kyle Whittingham's program out in the Pac-12. Utah every year. I've said it on offense. I've said it before in prior podcasts, but it doesn't matter who you get from Kyle Whittingham's program. You just know the type of ball player that you're going to get. You're going to get a leader, you're going to get a competitor, and you're going to get somebody that just puts their hard hat on and brings their lunch pail to work and shows up. That's the type of player that you're going to get. And it goes for the same with Cole Bishop, his teammate, that is going to be drafted higher than Sione, but that's just the type of ball players that they are. They're willing to do anything. doesn't matter if you ask them to play safety or line them up a freaking defensive tackle. They'll do it for you. That's the type of players that you get out of Utah. I'm excited to see both Sione and Cole Uh, down there next week. Andrew Phillips from Kentucky. I think is an underrated corner in this class. He looks the part. He's got length. He's got physicality. He's got the hips. He's got the footwork, and he's got the damn instincts uh, to be an immediate contributor at the next level. Jarvis Brownlee Jr. from Louisville. Now, Quincy Riley was initially committed to play. He went back to school. He, from what I've heard out of Quincy's camp, is that he is expected, or he wants to be, a first-rounder in the 2025 NFL Draft. That's the reason why he went back to school for another year in the ACC, but they grabbed Jarvis Brownlee uh, from Louisville. And from what I've heard from, from some coaches for Louisville is Jarvis is just as good or potentially better than Quincy. And I'm excited to see Jarvis Brownlee Jr. down there, a late addition to the Senior Bowl, but has a lot of buzz, not just from Louisville coaches I've spoken to, but as well as from the league that values those high tier athletes and those thresholds that teams have certain players they want to meet, Jarvis meets and, and bolds a lot of those thresholds. Cam Hart from Notre Dame, he was the, he played second fiddle for Notre Dame in their secondary at corner. You're going to hear the name Benjamin Morrison a ton in next year's cycle, specifically because I expect Benjamin to be a first rounder next year a stud at the cornerback position, has been a stud already for two years at Notre Dame. But Cam was the quote-unquote other guy at Notre Dame. And I have a second-round grade on Cam. So it just tells you, when he gets down there in Mobile next week and we see Cam Hart, the ability to just have his own spotlight because he's really lived in the shadows, in my opinion, of Morrison this year and last year. And now Cam is going to finally, hopefully, showcase well, and get that attention for his game because, again, he he's big, he's long, he's got technique on the perimeter. I don't care if he's in zone or he's in man, and he's just smart as a whip. And he's a heck of a kid as well in the conversations that I've had with him uh, early on in this process. So Cam Hart is a guy that, again, I will have a highlight for his name. You're not going to miss him. He's got that Golden Domer helmet on gleaming in the sunlight off of that thing. You're not going to miss him, but uh, Cam Hart's absolutely a name to bowl down there in Mobile. Kalen King is the other Penn State corner. So we got both Johnny Dixon and Kalen King. I just mentioned, right, Cam Hart with Benjamin Morrison, that one-two combo. Both Kalen and Johnny were the starters on the perimeter on the outside. Actually, all three Penn State corners, both Kalen, Johnny, and then Nickel, Daquan Hardy have all declared for this draft. So they're all most likely going to be drafted. I'm pretty sure that both Kalen and Johnny will hear their names. We'll see what happens with Daquan's evaluation. But Kalen King, look, heading into this year and last summer when we were scouting these guys in the 2022 tape, he had first round buzz. I don't think he's a perfect prospect. I think he's a heck of a ball player. I think he's absolutely a late second round guy, exactly where I have Johnny Dixon and paralleling both those players, I don't see a ton of separation with both of those players. I think Caitlin King, for me, and the concerns, I think he gets a little bit high in his backpedal at times to where the technique really sways from him. I want him to stay lower and showcase that immediate break, that T-step downhill consistently. I just haven't seen that in his game, especially this year on tape, where he makes it look easy. That's what we also said last year about Joey Porter Jr. But just I want to see that consistent high-level technique, no matter if you're in zone or in man or if the ball is coming to you or going to the opposite side of the football field. Next are two Georgia Bulldogs, Javon Bullard and taiki Smith. Javon, I expect to go higher in April than taiki but both guys are versatile players. Javon especially is not the biggest guy in the world, but he will light you up. It doesn't matter who you are. You're Mike Evans or you're a smaller guy in the league. It does not matter. You come across the middle and Javon's got his sight set on you. He will light you up and knock your chin strap off. And I appreciate that about guys in his game. And I see a lot, if you if this name resonates for you guys, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, who was down at the Senior Bowl just a couple of years ago and has become a hell of a player for the Houston Texans. Javon Bullard in his game reminds me a lot of Jalen Petrie, who I liked a lot, again, coming out of the Baylor Bears program in the Big 12 just a couple of seasons ago. Jaden Hicks is one of the premier safeties in this class, in my opinion. One of the underclassmen that's going to be uh, competing in Mobile. I've liked Jaden for a long time. He's had a ton of buzz within league circles. All conversations that I've had with staff at Washington State and with scouts are all positive with Jaden. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Mobile and raises his stock to a potential top 40, 45 player in this class. I think he's that good of an athlete, and I think he's that flat-out good of a football player. Cam Kinchins from, again, Miami. I think he is in the running as the premier safety in this class. I think the range is absolutely sensational. However, when he's not taking the football away, that's when I want to see Cam make more impact plays. And what I mean by that is, what what do you offer to me as a defender when you're not taking the football away? Because when I think about that, I think of Dallas, and I think of Daron Bland and I think of Trayvon Diggs to where when they're not intercepting the football, they can be turnstiles in coverage and giving up a lot of yards. Now, Cam's not going to lie on the outside of corner like Trayvon and Daron do, but as that safety to where teams want to take shots up the seam or you're that last, right, that last defender, that last line of help. And I get it, you can rise up vertically, but if you're 5'9", 5'10", max, not the biggest guy in the world, not taking anything away from him as a football player, or his size at all but from a league perspective and how they evaluate that position again as that last line of defense against guys that can run 4-3 at 6-1-6-2 and rise above the rim a little bit there may be some concerns for teams in that aspect but I, again I think the range is fantastic the instincts are off the chart I think Cam Kitchens is the premier bullhawk in this entire class would not be surprised if he picks off a few passes here in Mobile and I do expect him to to be taken off the board late round one early portions of round two. Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, and DJ James are all from Auburn. If you guys remember that unbelievable ending to the Iron Bowl with Jalen Milrow to the back of the end zone, targeting Isaiah Bond, that was over DJ James. So look, it was been after that, I know it was rough for DJ, but that's in the past. That's fantasy now. It doesn't matter. It happened. It's, it's history. And you think back to Chris Davis, right, and his return in the Iron Bowl years ago. But look, it, no one's going to forget it. I get that. But that is that was DJ James, if you guys forget what happened in that Iron Bowl. But again, all these guys are going to be drafted. DJ, Nehemiah, Jalen Simpson are all going to hear their names called. I think the premier player of the three is going to be Jalen Simpson for me. I think he's, again, one of the premier safeties in the class. This guy can tie his shoes standing up. He's that long. Um, I think he can play in the box. He can come down the line of scrimmage. Be an extra body to help in coverage and flip his hips and runs. Got the long stride to churn ground that I talked about earlier. I like all three of these guys. All great athletes and great young men as well. In the conversations I've had with each of them, them, excuse me. And again, I expect all three of them to absolutely hear their names called in April. Josh Newton from TCU. TCU over these last few years has also produced uh, some secondary players, right? Last year was Travis Hodges, Tomlinson. Uh, They got a couple guys this year. Mark Perry is going to be out at the Shrine Bowl. Josh Newton is going to be here. Excited to see him compete. Willie Drew is one of the smaller school kids from HBCU at Virginia State. I always have a soft spot in my heart for HBCU guys. I'm an HBCU guy myself. I played Division I baseball at Coppin State in Baltimore. So a little bit of background into me. That's why I always have a little soft spot for some HBCU guys because they are talented and they just go overlooked every single darn year. And Willie Drew can play, right? And a step up in competition, I think, is going to be great for him to really solidify himself. It's not just a good story out of a small HBCU program at Virginia State, but look, I can play and I can serve a role for an NFL defense. So excited to see him compete next week. Shao Smith-Wade from Washington State just a couple years ago was Jalen Watson down at the Senior Bowl. Shao, again, coming in from Uh, Washington State, not as big as Jalen Watson, but he is somebody that I think is a little bit underrated coming in. And the reason why I say that is he's about 175, 76 pounds soaking wet. So for teams that may turn off some people, but really the, the height weight thing really isn't that big of a deal for NFL teams, but it will, it will turn off some teams that want to run certain schemes. If you're asking Shao to play man against some of the bigger, more physical receivers in football, that's not allowing him to reach his ceiling. That's not going to be his niche at the next level. But again, a little bit underrated. I think he's got all the coverage ability in Twitch to stay with guys at a variety of levels, and I'm excited to see him compete in just a few days. A late addition to the Senior Bowl just a couple days ago is Elijah Jones from Boston College. The headliner for Boston College is going to be out at the Shrine Bowl in Christian Mahogany, an interior offensive lineman. But Elijah is, look, another really experienced kid uh, coming out of Boston College and someone that, look, he's getting an opportunity to come down here and showcase himself. And every year we head into the Senior Bowl and we watch practices and we leave going, that was a hell of a week from that kid. You know, why didn't we watch more tape on him? That's what's so great about these showcase events to where it's not just running around a t-shirt and shorts. You're strapped up and you're competing. Now, one-on-ones, I said it in the offensive podcast last week, there has to be context provided to where, look, the receivers, the quarterbacks, it's easy, the one-on-ones. You're you're attacking. Defensively, it's not easy to guard these types of receivers that these guys are going to face in one-on-ones. But it's just showing the technique, the comfortability, the patience as well in these drills for one team to say, man, this kid could come in and be a heck of a rotational piece for us in the secondary in a day and age where teams want to sling it around 35 plus times a game, Elijah Jones and guys are finally getting opportunity. Those, i not going to say small school kids, but guys that haven't had a ton of attention. All you need is, is a day or two of practice to really flip some boards and say, man, we got to move this kid up maybe a round or two on our boards because we really like him and we think he can absolutely play. And the Senior Bowl is an absolute perfect spot to do that. So, that is all the DBs. Again, I will get into Ennis Rakestraw. I talked about Quincy Riley, who will not who will not be there. I'll talk about Rakestraw in just a little bit. So let's get to the big boys up front. Tyler Davis from Clemson. I, I like I like Tyler Davis. Um, I think he's someone that look. He's not perfect. He's not your Brian Brzee right? That we saw come out last year uh, and go to the New Orleans Saints, but. And I think his football, is his best football, excuse me, is down the line. He's got a lot of snaps for Dabo Swinney, um, but I like to see improvement a little bit in his hands, and his increased ability to stack and shed down blocks as well. He can get caught off balance a little bit when guards are coming downhill, and off his right or left shoulder to where that peripheral vision isn't there sometimes, and he's getting down blocked a little bit. He's too big, he's too strong, he's too advanced of a defensive lineman to let that happen. Now, he's not Brzee, and he's not Peter Woods, who's going to be coming out next year, but Tyler Davis, he can play, and he's not going to be hard to miss. He's a big boy within the interior. Uh, Dwayne Carter from Duke. Look, if you guys want a good interview, interview Dwayne Carter from Duke. Um, Jim Nagy said that he thinks he may be president someday. He's that type of of, of kid. And everything in my conversations with Dwayne are exactly that as well. Um, He is going to be one of the most charismatic individuals in this entire class. Um, but away from that, he's a hell of a football player. And Dwayne's been on my radar for a couple of years now for the Duke Blue Devils. And look, one tech, three tech, lined up as a zero in front of the center. Um, his effort is unbelievable. He's athletic. He's got a twitched up frame. I like his game a bunch. And a day and age where you're not just drafting big boys within the interior to just clog gaps. You need interior push. Dwayne Carter, as you move into day three, which I think is the bucket that he'll fall in, absolutely someone that is a leader right away. You know is going to show up, not complain, and produce. Not just wear a jersey and steal a check from you. He's going to play. And he's going to compete his tail off every single day. So, again, one of the more charismatic individuals in this entire class. Can't wait to get down there and spend some time with Dwayne Carter and get to know him just a little bit more. But flat out, just watch him put a helmet on and compete is, is a joy because he's been a stud on tape in the ACC over these last few years at, again, 6'3", 305, and he can move. Uh, that, that I'll sign up for that every single day. Uh, Marcus Harris from, from Auburn, I don't think he's had a ton of attention, um, but look, he had seven sacks this year, which trumped his prior four seasons combined at Auburn, where he had five. So he's near 300 pounds. I think he can line up and down the defensive line. Um, he also has an innate knack to stack and shed and find the ball carrier's within the mud of the trenches, and I like that about his game. Jaden Cremetti from Mississippi State. Um, I think he's going to make some noise, guys, in one-on-ones, because I think he can win with power, and I think he can win with speed. And he's got that nuanced approach, as again, that one-tech, three-tech within the interior, that teams are going to value highly and prioritize if they need that interior push on passing down. So I don't think he's in every down interior defensive lineman, but when we get to one-on-ones, I think Cremetti is going to show some pop. Jordan Jefferson. From LSU, he's got some pop in him. He's got a nice little burst to himself as well. Uh, Transfer in from West Virginia. Really athletic kid. I want to see him turn his legs a little bit more when he's stymied at the point of attack to where he'll stop a little bit and end the rep quicker than it should. But he's got some burst to him and got some explosiveness to where if he just continues to develop his strength and develop his pass rush repertoire and to continue to use his hands and his hand counters, I think he provides some push for a team uh, on day three. Keith Randolph Jr., From Illinois, he lived in the shadow of Jerzon Newton, who is the headliner really this year at Interior Defensive Line, most likely going to be a first-round pick. Keith is a big boy that plays with violence, and I mean that in the best way possible. I I love the way that Keith Randolph approaches the defensive tackle position. Um, He's got an excellent two-handed bull rush, but he's also got a quick little inside stab rip move that allows him to consistently push the pocket against both centers and guards in the Big Ten, which is not easy, right? You're playing your Iowas, you're playing your Wisconsin's, your Michigan State's, Maryland's got athletes. You know, you you got big boys and it's not easy to consistently push. Now, it was nice that he saw a lot of one-on-one matchups this year because a lot of double teams slid to Jerzon's side, but now down here in Mobile where he's going to have those one-on-one opportunities, I think Keith is going to be able to say, hey, look, I can play as well. It wasn't just Jarzahn. He's going to put a nice spotlight on his game. Tavondre Sweat from Texas is one of the most fundamentally biggest dudes in this damn class. 6'4", 346 pounds is his verified height and weight. Uh, It's not going to take long to see that big boy walking out of the tunnel with that Texas Longhorns helmet on. Um, But he's not just big. Guys, it's not just talking about Jordan Davis coming out of Georgia where he was big and he was athletic, and he ran fast at the Combine, but we talked about the stamina concerns and the ability to actually play along the defensive line. Tavondre was, look, first-team All-American. Um, he moves like a man of much smaller stature, and 53 pressures from him alone the last two seasons. If I'm a guard and I'm a center, and I'm going one-on-one against Tavondre Sweat, holy hell, buckle your seatbelt. I can't wait to see him compete uh, in the next few days in Mobile. Michael Hall Jr. from Ohio State, one of the premier interior defensive lineman in the class he explodes through gaps and really isn't an, is an, going to be a nightmare as well uh, to stymie and isolation drills and one-on-one opportunities he can win with power he can win with speed and he can just flat out beat you uh, as an athlete as well so i think michael hall is a hell of a player and then finally wrapping up the interior guys is gabe hall from baylor if you turned on the cincinnati and the houston tape where he had nine pressures and eight hurries that shows you the ceiling of gabe hall But it's about finding that median for Gabe to where he doesn't disappear. And that's what I think he did a little bit too much for me on tape. But I think he has that foundational floor as a player to come in rotationally as a day three player and give you some good snaps as an evolving ball of clay within the interior. So that is the interior defensive line that are all going to compete next week. From there, let's get to the edge group. Everybody loves the edge group, right? A premier position, whether you're a 235-pound twitched-up guy that wins with speed to the outside consistently or you're more that throwback 260, 265-pound thicker frame win with power, a power-laden rusher that has no issue setting the edge, and you can win with both speed and power as well. So the edge group, look, it's not one of the deeper positions in this class, but I think it's very top-heavy. But again, as I said at the top, if you're looking for specific skill sets whether it's even front in your 4-3 or an, or an odd front in your 3-4 or you want to run some hybrid fronts whether you're running five defensive linemen or you want to do some unique things with aligning your five tech inside standing up with his hand in the dirt with a four point stance a lot of guys in this class that can fit a multiplicity of roles so first guy off the off the book look it's it's Leatu Latu from UCLA um for me He's my edge one in this class. Um, What makes him so special is his hands. He is nuanced, as you'll find in not just this year's class, but the last few classes as well. I think he's a sensational pass rusher. I think we overlook guys like him every single year. Um, He's got a little bit of George Karlaftis to his game, who I liked a lot coming out of Purdue. He was overlooked, and he's been excellent for the Kansas City Chiefs the first few years in his career. Because George Karlaftis coming out of Purdue reminded me of Ryan Kerrigan with the Washington Redskins, not the commanders with the Redskins at the time, 10 years, Washington, Ryan Kerrigan wasn't 240 pounds and twitched up, but he won with power. He was strong as an ox and consistently understood the nuance of rushing the passer. And that's what layout latsu has for UCLA inside outside win with power, run the fringe areas to chase things from the backside. I, I love his game. I'm not going to think twice about him as a potential top 10 pick in this class. I think he's that good of a player, and he is absolutely my edge one in this class. And I'm also excited that he accepted Jim Nagy's invite to go down to Mobile to where he could have sat there and rested on his laurels and said, yeah, I'm going to be a first-round guy anyway. No, no, no. I'm putting on my helmet, my UCLA Bruins helmet on for the last time against these tackles that we're going to see down there and show up because... Look, you look back to his tape against Oregon State, against Talese Fuaga and Talese won a majority of the reps. Or he turned on his tape against Arizona and Jordan Morgan, and Jordan Morgan won a majority of those reps. So look, he's showing up and saying, oh, that was just maybe a little bit of a fluke in that game, and I want to show up and compete and lock myself in as a potential top 15 pick. Absolutely in this class. Next is Adisa Isaac from Penn State. Now, you're going to hear a lot of great things about Adisa. Uh, in other media. And that's fine. I like Adisa as a player. I think he is a ball of clay for me at the position. But when you think about Penn State edge rushers, for me this year, the headliner is absolutely Chop Robinson, who should be a first rounder. His explosiveness is off the charts, and he's really edge two for me in this class. But Adisa has the flashes in the pan to be, look, six, seven, eight, sack a year type of guy, but also shows me, look, I'm getting displaced in the running game. I don't have anything more than threatening the outside shoulder. I can be thrown off my spot. That's the stuff I need to see more consistency. Because I think he's going to have some success on -on one-on-ones. It's just showing me that refined game to where, look, he's getting top 50, 60 buzz. Prove it to me. Prove it to me that you're that guy and not just another athletic, fundamentally athletic edge rusher out of Penn State. I want to see some more nuance in his game both as a pass rusher and consistency and as a run defender as well because if he if you look if the improvement doesn't come as a run defender then that's fine but i'm not taking a dpr right a designated pass rusher in the top 50 picks so that's the stuff that you're gonna have to balance um, when evaluating a guy like adisa isaac if you're a team that values him that highly and when you see him in mobile Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss, I think, is a grown-ass man uh, on the edge. He's an intriguing ball player. Um, Rocked-up dude, really impressive-looking athlete, but I think a lot like Adisa Isaac to where there are just some technical things I want to see in his game, specifically in his pass-rush repertoire to where he tries to win as an athlete consistently. And what I mean by that is his very little hands involved just trying to run around the arc and beat the outside shoulder. I need to see more from Cedric. He's a big, strong dude. Showcase your power a little bit. Because when you showcase that power, you force that offensive tackle to, look, kick that, get those cleats in the ground and anchor in just a little bit. And all it takes is a little hiccup or two to when you're, then you can flash and stick that foot in the ground and get around the outside shoulder. So just some more nuance in his game as well. But I think Cedric Johnson is an extremely impressive prospect off the hoof. And when you see him in Mobile... Just a rocked up dude uh, that I'm definitely going to have bolded uh, in just a few days. Brandon Dorless from Oregon. Look, you could say he's an interior defensive lineman at 290 pounds. You could say he's edge. His snaps were about equal at that spot. That was right. Three tech, five tech. So, look, I like the versatility, is really the bottom line with Brandon Dorless. Um, he recorded a pressure for the Oregon Ducks again in all but one game this fall. Again, 290 pounds. And you have the versatility to rush from a variety of alignments. Teams that value those hybrid defenders and hybrid fronts, like think about the Green Bay Packers, when they formally with their, their defensive coordinator Joe Barry and those bare fronts with three down linemen and, and two guys standing outside of them. Brandon's that type of guy that could slide in from five-tech to three-tech and provide some juice, real juice, uh, within the interior. Darius Robinson from Missouri, I think, has the heaviest hands in the class. Fundamentally, uh, he is strong, strong as hell. Um, you turn on the Tennessee tape, and all he did was just walk guys back five, six yards in the pocket of, of the uh, of the Tennessee Volunteers offense. And I appreciate about about that, that about his game because we get so excited about the speed rushers. Everybody wants the Micah Parsons type, but guys that are strong, fundamentally, they have the ability to overpower guys both at the college level and moving into the NFL. That's tough to counter. It really is. And it's also setting the edge in the run game because Darius is not going to be a first-round pick. He's not. But if I'm a team that needs edge help, both as a run defender and getting after the passer, he's not just power. But look, you're in the SEC and you're consistently pushing guys back. You got some heavy hands to yourself. And Darius absolutely has it. He's got spring-loaded hands to consistently knock people back and he's going to do that in mobile you're you're a tackle or he slides the inside and gets a rep against a guard and you are over you're behind your heels or you want to try to lean into darius robinson to use all your weight against him he's going to knock somebody on their ass and it's going to draw a lot of oohs and ahs and i expect darius to showcase well here in just a few days marshawn Nealand is from western michigan he has a ton of buzz from scouts over these last few weeks and months. Really good kid as well in the conversations that I've had. Um, He is one of the more impressively framed guys going to be down there in the edge group. Uh, But his ability to diversify his approach off the edge, whether he's got his hand in the dirt or he's standing up, I think is going to paint the picture toward his immediate projection uh, as we move forward down the line. Jalen Harrell from the college football national champion Michigan Wolverines He's a bit of that hybrid rusher, 235, with that 245 pounds. Um, He had 12 sacks over the last two seasons in the Big Ten. Extremely experienced. And any guy, any tackle that wants to try to kick, step out, and try to counter that speed to the outside shoulder, he'll jump to the inside as well. So he's got that nuanced approach. I've been talking about with a lot of other guys, where he can jump inside, jump outside, and win through your chest plate as a power rusher. So Jalen Harrell is an exciting player. For teams that are looking for those guys. Probably most likely, I think Jalen's gonna come off the board uh, on day three. Braden McGregor again from Michigan. I think he's advanced in the run game, but I want to see some more pop as a pass rusher at 270 pounds, a little bit of a tweener. Brandon Jackson from Washington State. So this is the second Washington State Cougar that we will see down there. He's a power laden rusher, but the effort is hot. And if he run, if he runs into somebody in a defense that coaches him up in a scheme that fits his skill set, ask him what to do. I think Brendan Jackson is going to outplay his draft slot because I do think potentially he goes on day two in the latter portions because of how hot that motor runs. He's consistently chasing plays down. The play extends to four, five, six seconds and the quarterback's trying to run around. You'll always see Brendan Jackson chasing him. You're not going to see him standing there you're not going to see him just engage with the tackle and just stand in there holding hands. He's going to be engaging somebody, always wanting to make a play. I have an appreciation for guys like that. I know the league does as well. So he's a name to look for you edge, you guys out there that follow teams that need some edge rushers, late day two, early day three, when the bucket may seem a little, right, the cupboard may seem a little, a little bare and Brendan Jackson's on the board, don't overlook him. And I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see him compete next week. Eric Watts from Connecticut. Eric's a great story um, because, look, he was at the Hula Bowl in Orlando just a few weeks ago, and he dominated down there, and he earned an invite to come to the Senior Bowl, a step-up in competition. Look, I love stories like that. You're getting an opportunity to compete. He recorded multiple pressures this year for UConn in all but two of his 12 starts, so he's got some pop to get after the quarterback. Now it's do it against these experienced Extremely athletic and technical offensive lineman, we're going to see in Mobile. Two big boys from Alabama. We're going to see Justin Aboigbe and Chris Braswell. You always know what you're going to get from look, these guys were coached by the now retired and crazy to say Nick Saban uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're going to get a physical athlete. You're going to get guys that are just high level athletic profiles, extremely well coached. Those are just the usuals that you have with guys. Uh, out of Tuscaloosa. Now, Aboigbe is about 290 pounds, inside-out versatility, more of that power rusher. And Braswell, I like him a lot. Um, he is, like, you're going to see Dallas Turner and Aboigbe and Braswell as three-edge rushers. They're going to hear their names called for Alabama this year. And Braswell, I think, could very well be a second-round pick. I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why he can't be. And I think he comes down here and showcases extremely well uh, again, just the ability to win with power and win with speed. He's excellent in the run game, smart as a whip, looks the part. And of course, you know, you, you have multiple years in the SEC with production and you're coached by Nick Saban. That platform, that floor as an athlete is pretty damn high that you present yourself to scouts. I like Chris Braswell and again, Justin Aboigbe, a bunch. Javon Solomon from Troy was everything for the Troy Trojans this year uh, in the Sun Belt. 16 sacks and 48 pressures, which was top 10 among all group of five defenders for him this year. Twitched up. He can even play some linebacker for you. Get out in coverage a little bit if you want. Excited to see him. What a hell of an opportunity he has uh, as a nearby program, if you will, for Troy. Austin Booker from Kansas. He's one of the more interesting players at the edge spot, guys. Because, look, he declared and he's coming out this year. But if he stayed at Kansas and developed his game even more he potentially would have been a first-rounder for me next year. I think the traits are absolutely there. Transferred in from Minnesota, extremely athletic, long arms, win with power, win with speed, excellent in the run game, nuanced pass rush repertoire. It's just not all the way developed yet. To where he's now declaring this year, I know the edge class isn't deep, and he could rise, and I expect him to, but if he went back for one more year... To allow his body and and to mature just even a little bit more, allow his game to really progress, there was no reason why Austin Booker wouldn't have been, outside maybe injury, uh, a first-rounder in the 2025 NFL Draft. But he is a big name that I I have highlighted, bolded, a check mark, a star next to his name, as far as what to watch and who to watch in Mobile. Because he's got a lot of the goods uh, at the edge position to be an immediate impact player. And he's just not getting enough attention right now because you could say the average production for the Kansas Jayhawks in the Big 12. Nelson Caesar from Houston, long and athletic kid. Um, he's going to look the part before he ever you know, puts his helmet on. Just looks like a top, he really looks like a top 40 pick uh, in this class. But look, the excellent production in the fall and, and I think his best football is also going to be down the line. The reason why I say that is I can't wait for Nelson to get an NFL strength and conditioning program. I can't wait to see him get with a experienced defensive line coach with a defensive coordinator that's aggressive and allows him to just pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. Because we've seen guys from Houston, even down at the Senior Bowl with Logan Hall and Peyton Turner, Nelson Caesars next up in that Cougars pipeline. And I'm pumped to see him as well. And then finally, guys, at the the edge spot is Miles Cole. From Texas Tech. Um, first things first, when you think of long and athletic dudes from the Texas Tech Red Raiders program, you think of who? You think of Tyree Wilson, right? First rounder for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, back in last year's draft. He is not Tyree Wilson. Let, let, let's not do that. Um, but I think the same things that we talked about with Tyree coming out last year, I would like to see in Miles' game. Because the conversations I've had with scouts are, look, they want to see more pop in his hands and they want to see some more flexibility. He's a big boy, but can you bend? Or are you just an upright pass rusher to where you can't even threaten the outside shoulder? And you're not going to be able to consistently win with power because once you've shown your hand, if you will, to tackles at the NFL level and you only have one way to win, that's not going to work at the next level. So continuing to evolve his game, someone's going to take this kid as a ball of clay, but evolving his game is going to be really important to finalize Miles Cole's uh, Miles Cole in his evaluation. So that is all of the edge players that are set to compete in just a few days. Now let's get to the last positional group and the linebackers. Look, I think this is a, it's an underrated linebacker group in my honest opinion. I think that Look, Barrett Carter going back to school, and Danny Stutzman going back to school. Stutzman at Oklahoma, and Carter at at Clemson threw a little bit of a wrench into the process as far as who the who's who of this class. And I just think there's some flat out damn ball players at the position this year. And it's just turn on the tape and watch these guys, right? And for me, look, let's get into this group for the Senior Bowl. We're going to see, like I know. My LB1 in this class is Edron Cooper. Um, He's going to be out at the Shrine Bowl uh, from Texas A&M. But Peyton Wilson from NC State. Now, when people hear Peyton Wilson, they're going to think about the medicals and the ACL of a couple years ago. But if you turn on this kid's tape, he's sensational. The range, the tackling ability, the downhill pop he plays with. We're in a day and age where the mic position is extinct. Uh, or becoming extinct for a lot of defenses. You don't see a lot of two-linebacker sets in the NFL. You see them in where? San Francisco with Drayton Greenlaw and Fred Warner, and you see it in Baltimore. who's getting prepped to play Kansas City Chiefs in the the AFC Championship with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. But everybody else, it's usually, most of the time, one linebacker in the middle of the field. And I think Peyton Wilson has the absolute athletic profile, three-down ability in the run game, and in the passing game, flipping the hips and running in coverage to be that green dot at the middle of a defense. I, I've i said it about other players as far as I'm excited to see them down there. But Peyton Wilson, as a just a sports follower, as we all are, whether you're in the business, whether you're not, we all appreciate competitors. We all appreciate guys that want to get after people and fire you up to where you want to run through a wall. Turn on Peyton Wilson's tape. And tell me that he doesn't juice you up if you're another defender playing with him. I love Peyton Wilson's game. I can't wait to see him. James Williams from Miami. Now a guy that played primarily safety for the Hurricanes. But he's going to live at the second level at, in Mobile. And I'm extremely, extremely happy with the process that Jim Nagy and his staff are doing with James. Because the next level, I don't see him as an every down safety. At the linebacker spot and how the linebacker position has continued to evolve where you need athletes... I think James Williams has as high a ceiling at the linebacker position as anybody in this class. And personally, I think he's right there alongside Edrin Cooper, Peyton Wilson, Jeremiah Trotter for your top linebacker in the class. Um, six foot five, 215 pounds. He's unbelievably long. And as you know from yesteryear with Hurricanes, they're going to play with pop. I talked about Cam Kitchens earlier, not the biggest guy in the world at safety. But he plays with Pop 2. But you got James Williams coming downhill at 6'5", 215. He'll light you up. And I, I'm pumped. Look, Peyton Wilson, James Williams in the middle of defenses here in, in Mobile. Sign me up, man. You guys that, that value physical football, athletes in the middle, running hash to hash, number to number. Both those guys. I, I think really the ceiling for James among anybody in this class at the linebacker position um, is the highest. But I one thing I'm excited to see with James especially is one-on-ones against running backs, specifically, at the linebacker spot. Because he didn't have to face that, playing that deeper third as a safety, again, at Miami. He was covering tight ends, and he was covering some receivers in the deeper third. But those quicker, shiftier running backs in space, I'm excited to see him in coverage to see how nuanced, really, he is within that second level to where he's aligning five yards off and picking up guys in the fringe areas, whether they're working over the middle of the field or they want to press vertical on the little wheel route, I think he has the strength and length to overpower guys. I want to see that. You know, don't take it easy on guys. You can overpower them and bully them. Bully them then. And I want to see that from James Williams next week. Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State, I don't think is the most athletic linebacker in this class, um, and it's really not close, but he, what he lacks in the twitch and the motor, um, he makes up for it in his pursuit angles. his Always hot motor that he plays with, and he's just going to be an excellent rotational piece on Sundays for a team that wants to deploy a multiplicity of linebackers, and I think he's someone that will absolutely tease uh, with 100 tackles consistently if the snaps present themselves. Now, there's also some context with that. Just because you get a lot of tackles doesn't mean you're a great defender, but someone that, again, rotationally, to make plays in the run game especially, um, that's Tommy Eichenberg for you. Cedric Gray from North Carolina was highly touted back in the spring. A lot of good grades from teams. I think teams are going to value him highly in this class. Um, 121 tackles for the Tar Heels this year in the ACC. 11 for loss. 5 sacks. Excellent blitzer through the A and B gaps as a twister as well. Um, He'll blow through a running back that's trying to to line up and hit him in pass pro. Um, He also got ball skills as well. Uh, He had 5 picks and 8 PBUs in 4 seasons. Again, for the North Carolina Tar Heels. John Trey Hunter from Georgia State, is one of the smaller school kids we'll see down there. High-level athlete. Um, when George, Georgia State excuse me, played their play-up game this year for LSU, and they faced the Heisman winner and Jaden Daniels, John Trey was the quarterback spy for Georgia State. Now, it's not to say, oh, well, wow, he can run with Jaden Daniels. No, he's n- not that fast, guys. But he's got that athletic ability to at least keep a quarterback in the pocket as the threat of, look, if I escape, I'm going to have a guy at least the speed to pursue me. So that's John Trey Hunter. Interested to see him because there's not a lot of tape on Georgia State. It's out there, but against higher-level competition, it's really only the LSU tape. And I thought he was fine uh, in that ballgame. So it's going to be a nice test for him next week. Nathaniel Watson from Mississippi State. If you guys remember um, Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati last year, went undrafted for absolutely zero reason. The NFL absolutely got cute uh, when it came to Ivan Pace and what he did for that Minnesota defense this year. Nathaniel Watson reminds me a little bit of him. And why I say that is he's got a thick upper half, another guy with an extra hot motor and physical. He's an alpha in the middle. And he's always in a spot to make a play in the football. He's got over 2,400 snaps uh, in the SEC and the SEC experience with six seasons for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So he's uber experienced. He's seen it all at the second level. And I have an appreciation uh, for mature individuals that understand what they're looking at from a defensive perspective to at the linebacker position to where you go into certain defenses and a lot of defensive coordinators ask a lot of that position. So you look at Nathaniel Watson and his ability to have seen it all, there's not that immense grace period for him coming in to the NFL. Tyron Hopper is another one of those Missouri Tigers I mentioned earlier. I got his name bolded uh, as well. Sometimes he can look like the best athlete on the field and then other times I think there's lack of consistency uh, as a tackler and in coverage where I want to see more nuance in his ability to flip his hips and run. But I think the floor is there for him to be drafted high, potential top 100 pick in this class, and one of the top linebackers in the class. It's going to be a big opportunity hit for him in Mobile. Michael Barrett from Michigan. Um, I think he's one of the top coverage linebackers in this class. Extremely, extremely experienced defender. Uh, he played that reaper position, formerly known as the viper spot in that Michigan defense. It's a It's a position that prioritizes and preaches playmaking at the position. So you're going to draft Michael Barrett. You're going to want him to work the fringe areas and make plays in the football against running backs and tight ends, or even reroute a guy in the slot. That's Michael Barrett and what he'll offer for a defense at the second level. Tyrese Knight from UTEP. So University of Texas, El Paso. Um, The step up in competition is going to be good for him. I like the 2022 tape where he was about 210, 215. Uh, Looked like he gained about 15, 20 pounds, and it took a little bit away from his athletic profile and the overall twitch in his game, but excited to get live eyes on him and in person to look, you you see a lot on film, but the old eye test, at least for me, says a lot about a player and what he's going to offer, especially when you see these guys in game speed that really on tape, again, unless you see these guys live, it's it's hard to to justify sometimes, and it's hard to really read, uh, again, if you're not seeing it with your eyes. Marist Lufau from Notre Dame. we got two Notre Dame linebackers, both Marist and J.D. Bertrand. Marist, if you're in Mobile and you got your head down at your phone or something and you hear a crack, first pad crack of practice is probably going to be Marist. He loves to hit stuff, just flying around hitting people. But I think there's some technical stuff he's got to work on moving forward. J.D. Bertrand, he's similar to me as well as Tommy Eichenberg. Um, Not the best athletes in the world, but extremely intelligent. Just... I expect JD, and I put it here in my linebacker primer on the draftnetwork.com, where I previewed every single positional group from a, a written perspective. You can, guys can go on there and take a peek. But we saw Sidney Brown last year, safety that went to the Philadelphia Eagles, unfortunately ended his season short because of injury. But Sidney was really the head coach of his side of the ball when he was down there in Mobile, telling people where to align, what to do here, what to do there. I think we're going to see that from J.D. Bertrand because he did it at Notre Dame and he's just an extremely mature and cerebral athlete at the second level. And there's a spot for guys like that uh, on every single roster in football. Jalen Ford was the glue man for Texas. Uh, Look, there's the Texas Longhorns defense and really an offense as a whole, a very talented roster this year, one of the most fundamentally talented in the entire country and really led them right to that CFP uh, national semi-appearance where they ultimately lost... To the Washington Huskies, but Jalen Ford was that was that glue guy. Um, Really violent, trigger downhill, like his ability to not be afraid to stick his face in the mud and fit the run. You see an alley, Ford's gonna attack it. Um, He's also got some nice ball production as as well. He's got six picks the last two seasons. So everybody preaches ball production. He's one from a production standpoint. He is ranks near the top of the class as far as linebackers. Trevin Wallace uh, from Kentucky is a guy I am pumped up to see. I think he's an underrated player in this class. Um, I expect when we leave Mobile, he's going to be a guy that's getting some good buzz even more so than what he has right now. Um, one-on-one opportunities in coverage. He's excellent. Um, he's a heck of a twister and a blitzer through those A and B gaps. You want to come off the C gap, you can do that as well. Um, I like his game a bunch and I just think he's a flat out good football player. And I know we live in a day and age where everybody has those athletic thresholds, height, weight, speed, and what you do in certain aspects of a football game and certain downs and and how you play with certain leverages and certain opportunities. But there's also has to be an appreciation for just being a flat out good football player. And I think that is what I see uh, when I, when I, when I've evaluated Trevin Wallace and what I expect to see from him down in Mobile. Jalix Hunt is another small school kid from Houston Christian. Uh, He's one of the players to watch of the week at the FCS level. He was sensational, and he's had a ton of buzz for about a year and a half now from NFL scouts, and you can look at every single play, really, in tape, whether it's in the run game or in the passing game when he's flipping his hips as a zone defender or a man defender, he's nuanced. He looks like he understands what's going on at the middle level of the field, consistently getting his depth over the middle of the field. He's not getting five, six yards back where he's got crossers flying behind his head. I think that's something I want to see this week to where you're going to have better quarterbacks. You're going to have more nuanced tight ends and receivers around you, Consistently sticking to your pillars as a player and just operating the fundamentals of the linebacker position. So he's a former Cornell transfer in the Ivy League down to Houston Christian. So Jalex Hunt, as far as one of those under the radar kids, you look at his helmet and you say, What, what helmet is that? Well, don't scout the helmet, scout the player, and he's going to be a name to bold this week. And then finally, guys, the last player is Edrufon Ulafoscio from Washington. He is a Mack truck at 240 pounds. Really nice blend of flexibility and physicality. I think he's someone that can play the fringe areas in coverage. He can play the mic, the quote-unquote mic, right, as the lone linebacker in the middle of the field, and then also put his hand in the dirt and get after the passer a little bit. So very versatile player. Going to align most likely at linebacker, but he has that pop to play within the mud of the trenches at the second level and not afraid to play physical so that is all the defenders that are going to show up and compete next week in mobile alabama the 2024 senior bowl is just a few days away and as i said at the top guys a couple names that will not be down there for you guys if you're looking at rosters trying to find their name trying to find them on the football field in practice next week if you're down in mobile you're not going to see cooper Beebe from kansas state you're not going to see cedric van pram from georgia you're not going to see byron murphy from texas You're not going to see Tanner McLaughlin, tight end from Arizona, and you're not going to see Ennis Rakestraw, who just had surgery, a corner from the Missouri Tigers, and look, he's expected to be good for Pro Day, expected to be good for the Combine, and as well, you're not going to see Rook Orororo, yes, that's how you pronounce his name, Rook Orororo from Clemson, uh, one of the premier uh, linemen, defensive linemen in this class. Potential late first rounder, early second rounder. Would have loved to seen him in the Senior Bowl. The ceiling's off the charts for him. Everything I've heard from Rook and his camp is that he is going to be full strength, 100%, no injury concerns, and he is going to be ready for the Pro Day at Clemson and, of course, the Combine here next month. So that is, guys, the 2024 Senior Bowl. Offense last week, defense today. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. If you guys are going to be down in Mobile, don't be afraid to hit me up on social media. Again, at underscore Ryan Fowler, I will be down there all week. I'll be down there starting Sunday, heading out. Again, I'll be there all week long, then heading out later in the week. But hope you guys enjoyed. And I always appreciate you guys tuning in. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Commanding the Huddle. You can find my work at both Belicia Report and thedraftnetwork.com. So thanks as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. If you guys are traveling down to Mobile, safe travels. And I will talk to you guys very soon. So I am Ryan Fowler, and this is commanding the huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.